who, in your mind, who's the starting other guard? First of all, did you say Obre Jr.? Come on, bro. It's Obre Jr. Man, get it together. First of all, you got to get the names right. Okay. You get your names right say. for all these stats well, you do? first you of all, right? you know, Anthony wants the big, everyone's got the big three. Anthony wants, like, the big ten. <laughs> five. Five would do. Just give me a starting five. What do you, what do you think, like, Okay, you know? okay. All right, stop the shenanigans. <laughs> all of a sudden. What's up, everybody? Welcome to another edition of the Matter of Stats podcast. This week, it's myself and Billy. Kobe taking another vacation day. Man, he's got too many vacation days. <laughs> <laughs> Billy, what's happening? Not much, man. Just just chilling, living the dream. Living the dream. That's right. Nope. Aren't, aren't, aren't we all? <laughs> yeah. Uh, all right. Let's get started. Since it's just you and I. We'll just jump right in here. Start with our sports headlines of the week. So today was a busy day in the NFL as it was trade deadline day. And there were a bunch of uh, trades today, some very significant ones, including one that happened a few days ago. Uh, Starting with the Eagles, they got Robert Quinn. The Ravens ended up getting Roquan Smith, uh, both these players from the Bears. Uh, The Bears, not just giving away players, they got Chase Claypool, wide receiver from the Steelers. The Dolphins, they got uh, Bradley Chubb, a highly sought-after pass rusher from the Broncos. Uh, The Vikings got your boy, tight end TJ Hawkinson. And the Jags, in probably one of the most interesting trades of the day, got suspended wide receiver Calvin Ridley from the Atlanta Falcons. If that wasn't enough, in other NFL news, uh, last week we found out that uh, star receiver Jamar Chase for the Bengals is going to miss four to six weeks with a hip injury. In some boxing news, Jake Paul scored a unanimous decision with a win on Saturday over former UFC middleweight champion Anderson the Spider Silva. In some NBA news, the Philadelphia 76ers will lose two second-round picks uh, for violating the league's free agent negotiating rules. And uh, just today, some more fun NBA news. (laughs) NBA is crazy, right? The Nets fired Steve Nash today, their head coach, and reportedly are rumored to replace him with recently suspended Celtics head coach Ime Udoka, although that has not been confirmed or finalized, but that is uh, a rumor that is apparently uh, hot that he's going to replace Steve Nash. And those are today's headlines. Lots of crazy stuff today, Billy. Yeah, I mean, I honestly, I didn't realize the NFL trade deadline was today until I started get, getting all this stuff on my phone, you know, and I got my Detroit guy that. Got traded. Not too happy about it. We got some good picks for it, but um, yeah, I, I don't know the direction they're going with this, so I guess time will tell. And uh, yeah, I, I heard the Nets uh, GM come out and say, yeah, absolutely not about, you know, Ime Adoka, that nothing's been, you know, set in stone and all that, but all reports, I think it's just, you know, one of those things where he's just playing it off and it's going to be a matter of, you know, some hours before we get the alert saying, Hey, he's hired. 
Yeah. So, I mean, typically when you fire a coach, like <coughs> you at least let him leave the building before you, before you bring yeah, in right. his replacement. Yeah. Nash is probably still packing up his stuff. I know. I mean, that was like, it was kind of crazy. It's like they fired him and then literally it seemed like what a half an hour, 30 minutes, 20 minutes tops that yeah. they were, they were saying Udoka is going to take over. And that's interesting. And it's in his own right, because he's suspended from the Celtics. No. So it's, it's not an NBA league suspension. It's a Celtic suspension. So right. The team has suspended him. So he's right. eligible to coach, you know, with the Celtics or wherever, but he's under contract. So, I mean, the Celtics would have to, you know, let him go to another team and they could seek compensation or they could just, you know, simply let him walk. So it's really a a really uh, interesting situation to see what is going to play out, you know, there in, in Brooklyn. So. Yeah. um, I I think you're, you're right about, you know, and then the GM is, playing it off because they're probably just probably talking to Boston, seeing how they can work that out. I'll be alerted and everything and everything I've been reading. I'm, it sounds like it's set. It's just the details have to be ironed out to get them over there. Yeah. And sometimes these are a PR play, right? Because like we said, it, how does it play? How does it look, you know, in the, in <laughs> the media's eyes and the, in the fans eyes, you fire Steve Nash at whatever, you know, 10 o'clock in the morning and then, you know, 1030 in the morning, you hire Udoka, who is, you know, a guy who is suspended right now from his current team. So there could be, you know, just some PR movement there where, you know, hey, let's let the dust settle. Let's wait a few days or, or, or you know, something like that, because sometimes it just comes across as, uh, you know, a, a negative perception when you're you're kind of reacting so quickly and then you replace him with a guy that you know isn't you know isn't uh you know what's the best way to put it isn't isn't in the best light in his own way because he's you know he's dealing with something that got him suspended uh, you know and steve nash had his uh, struggles getting these guys to buy in and obviously getting to win games and you have a lot of you know egos and personalities on that team already with you know Kyrie and KD and all the drama that happened with them over the summer and, you know, who's staying, who's going, who wants to be here. So it could just simply be, Hey, let's pump the brakes. Let's let some of this smoke clear and then we'll go from there. I'm, so, I'm starting to think, you know, that, uh, you know, the Nets GM told him when him and Kevin Durant met, like, if, like, Hey, you know, let's give this X amount of time. And if it doesn't work, then, you know, we'll go because I don't know the way they, they brought it out. It's, it sounds like it was something that was already being talked about the way the way the, uh, you know, the statements and stuff came out from Nash and from the GM. So maybe it was an agreement before, like, hey, if we'll give you this amount of time, if we don't see, you know, big change and, and everything, and then we're just going to move on from you. And maybe that's what happened. Yeah, and I think coming into this season, Steve Nash was certainly already in a position where he was probably going to have a very short leash. Yeah, um, because he they struggled last year under Nash with all the offseason drama about KD not wanting to be here, Kyrie not being here. They don't like Nash. They like Nash. They don't want Nash. They, you know, they want Nash gone. Whatever. You know, but the, all that back and forth craziness in the summer that you knew if they struggled, it's not a surprise. I didn't expect Nash to last the season because I just figured there was too much 
you know, that he, for him to handle like too many things that he couldn't control. Right. You know, sometimes, especially when you're a young, uh, you know, inexperienced coach, when you, when you can't, when you can't manage the on the court stuff and then you couple it with the things off the court that you have no control over, it just puts you in a difficult situation. And yeah. if you're a guy that doesn't have that cachet or that experience to, to be able to deal with it, there was, there, it was, it was, there was just no way he was going to finish the year. And yeah. then you start off poorly. It just, it's funny though. Cause didn't they win last night? <laughs> yeah. But I mean, I, you know, still, I, mean, I know, but it's just, you know, it's, it's funny that, you know, you fire him eight hours after a win. Yeah. But, but you're right. Exciting, exciting day in the NFL, exciting day in the NBA, but you know, the NBA is always full of drama, a, right? There's always something. It's a good pickup for uh, uh, Jacksonville. I mean, I, you know, obviously he's not going to play this year, but moving forward, you know, that that's a good pickup for them. You know, yeah. I mean, assuming obviously, you know, Ridley suspended for the gambling situation. So that happened, you know, you know, middle of, you know, middle of the, the previous season. So he's going to miss all this season because of it, but yeah. he's also dealing with, um, you know, some personal issues off the field. So that's another aspect of this, but it's interesting because he's a good, young, talented wide receiver. He was, he had a tremendous season. I mean, he was, a, he was a stud for the Falcons, you know, for a season and change. He was really coming on as an elite, elite wide receiver. Yep. And then he gets suspended and he's dealing with the, the personal off the field issues. So you're right. Depending on, what they get, right? If Calvin Ridley comes back, you know, a hundred percent focused, you know, clear mind, clear head has put his off the field things behind him and can just get back to playing great football. There's no question. The kid's a stud. Yeah, for sure. So it, it could be something that ends up, you know, really panning out or, or maybe not. I mean, they didn't give up obviously a high draft pick for him, but draft picks in the NFL are different than the NBA. They're, you know, they're valuable in multiple rounds because there's so yeah. many, there's so many rounds and so many players. You got to pick a, you know, a third round pick, a fourth round pick, a fifth round pick that typically ends up being a starter, you know, on a team somewhere, whether it's linebacker or special teams or, you know, tackle. Yeah. But, but you're right. Time will tell. There's no question. The talent is there, but speaking of talent, Billy, how about the uh-huh. Lakers, baby? One and five. We got, we got Finally one. got a win. <laughs> Finally. Finally. Who would have thought it'd take that long to get one? I know. Well, we uh, well, we talked about this last week, right? And I think we were kind of all in the mindset where the Lakers would probably, you know, out of the out of the gate only win three or four games tops out of the, you know, first ten or so games. Yeah. And I, I think, <laughs> you know, we all kind of figured, okay, the first two were gonna be tough. I think we thought maybe we'd get Portland at home. And in fairness, we should have. That was a game that we just gave away. We had that game. That should have been the first win. And then, you know, a couple tough ones on the road where the Lakers played well, just couldn't close the deal in the second half. You know, tied at the half in Denver and then struggled to score in the third quarter. You know, tied at the half in Minnesota, right? And then just struggled to put together – uh, consistent offense in the second half just was kind of always behind five, seven, nine points, just could never get enough offense together to get over the hump. 
And then, you know, obviously AD didn't play in that game. And then you come home Sunday night and it just kind of felt like maybe the cards were lining up just right to come off the loss. AD comes back. Everybody's kind of, uh, you know, a little bit, all right, well, the, the, the pressure's off now because we're 0-5. We just got to go out there and win a game, right? It's no more like, you know, oh, how come they didn't win this game? Or how come they win this? They're 0-5. You just got to win a game. And you yep. come in maybe a little looser than you would normally. And the Lakers just, no surprise, played a good game. And all the things we talked about last week, right? The shooting, yep. season high. Points, season high. Three-point field goal percent, season high. Three-point field goals made, season high. And what a surprise. They get a, a fairly comfortable win against a decent Denver team. Yeah, I mean, defense hasn't been a problem. We're holding teams, you know, to under 115, and we're still – so, lo and behold, we shoot 44%, and, hey, we get a win. So, uh, yeah, I mean, it, it's good for the confidence. Hopefully, you know, this kind of gives them a little momentum moving forward and uh, get that shooting coming. But I, I still feel, you know, something has to be done. We still have to make some kind of move, you know. Yeah. Uh, you know, it sounds like Turner's trying to trying to talk his way over here. But, yeah. So, I don't know. I mean, that's, you know, all that goes. But um, Yeah, and that rumor is always going to exist until something happens, right? Yeah. So either we, until we pull the trigger or they get traded somewhere else. But, I mean, you're right. The shooting is still a problem because you talk about we got a W Sunday night and we, were sh- and we shot a season high. And what did we make? 12 threes? Yeah. 13 threes? A season high. 12 threes. Yeah. I mean, half the teams in the league average over 12 threes a game. Yeah, I, was, I was just going to say that. They're, they're, most teams are doing that on a regular basis and the elite teams are doing it more than that. So. Yeah, so uh, when so you're right. It's still going to be a problem when our season high is 12 and it took us 5 yeah. games to do it. The shooting is still yeah. going to be a problem. There's there's there, you're right. And it's I don't see how it gets corrected significantly enough to make a difference. Marginally, yeah, some of these guys are going to start to shoot a little bit better. You know, Troy Brown is a guy that can make some shots. Schroeder will come back, he can make some shots. But there isn't there's not legitimate shooters on this team that are going to change that the the entire landscape of what we're doing offensively on a consistent basis yeah exactly. unless unless we go get one like you said consistent that's the key word right there consistent and you know we yeah. go every three or four games making that many and then you know struggling the rest it, it has to be more consistency to it so yeah um, now yeah. now one change billy of course that the lakers did make in the last two games was bring a russ off the bench and in fairness, he, he played very well. Even in the loss in Minnesota, he played well off the bench. Oh, Obviously, Sunday in Denver, people would say, is probably the best game he's played of the, se- of the season when you just account he made a couple threes, he shot really well, he scored 18 points, he had eight assists, eight rebounds, he played good defense. Um, so in two games, it seems like Russ off the bench is a good fit. My question to you is, a, how long does that last? Do you think that's sustainable? And if it is or isn't, what's what's a long term solution for Russ? Oh, for well, for just Russ, I mean, I last year it was a thing where I never thought him and LeBron 
fit well on the court together because they both are ball dominant. Right. So whenever LeBron wasn't playing last year, he was really good. And, you know, minus the jumper, which, you know, he's always kind of been on and off on that, but he's also, he's played really well. And we're seeing it this year where he's coming off the bench, playing with the bench players, getting involved. He's able to drive to the basket and all that stuff. He plays a lot better without LeBron when he's dominating the ball, you know? So it could work out. Maybe, you know, he said, whatever I have to do, right? After these last couple of games off the bench, he said, whatever needs to be done, I'll do it. So I'm going to take his word for it. And maybe he, it, if all this translates into wins, I don't see how he can't complain. Or, I mean, I'm sorry, how he can complain about coming off the bench because if it's translated to wins, I don't see a problem, you know? And uh, until, you know, until if or when we do decide to make a move, if that's what's going to be working, then so be it. I'm, I'm cool with it. Yeah, I think in the short term, it's definitely something that can work. I'm worried about the long term aspect of it. I don't know. Oh no, long term, it's not. We I don't know. I don't know if it's going to work for the whole season, but for right now, it's working. And you're right. The key component to it isn't the fact that he's necessarily quote unquote coming off the bench. That doesn't matter. Even Darvin Ham was like, you know, who finished the game? Russ finished the game. So bench yeah. start. That's really just semantics for people in the media and fans to focus on. The key, you mentioned it, the success in the, in these last two games, granted small sample size, but still is mitigating the minutes that him and LeBron are on the floor together because that was a problem last year and not, and you're right. One, because they're both ball dominant and they want to attack and kick, but two, you have two guys on the floor that are not just ball dominant and want to drive and kick, but neither one of them are elite are elite three point shooters. Right. So that's that's you know two of the five guys on the floor that aren't going to make an outside shot. So by bringing Russ off the bench, what it really accomplishes is it is it mitigates the time that Russ and LeBron are on the floor together. So instead of being on the floor together, you know, for 30 something minutes, they're on the floor together for like 18, 19, 20 minutes. So it it makes a big difference production wise. So when Russ is out there, LeBron can be off the floor and Russ can do his thing and play more like Russ. And then when LeBron is out there, Russ can be on, on the bench and LeBron can do his thing and control the ball and drive and kick and do more of what he did as that point forward role. When, when we won the championship, in 2020, that was obviously a formula for success. So I think that's really the key there is keeping them in their roles, but limiting the minutes they play together in, in smaller stretches at key moments when you, when you want to maximize two ball handlers or two attackers, but not throughout the whole game where it uh, kind of works against us offensively. Right. And I, and I think in a way too, it kind of gets the other players going like, Hey, you know, we got Russ and he's going to be looking for us. Now this gets them excited. Like, all right, cool. We're going to get more shots up as opposed to having Russ, AD and LeBron on the floor together. We're basically, those three are just playing. The other guys are like, oh, we're hardly going to get the ball. Now the guys are shooting. You know, we're going to be ready. We're going to get some shots up. We're going to, you know, get some more hype, more motivated. Like, all right, let's go. Let's go. You get more excited to, you know, play and shoot and, you know, they get their chances, you know, they're going to have more touches and stuff like that. So I think that's another thing that kind of helps. Yeah. And you're right. Even Darvin Ham talked about it after the game on Sunday, the energy aspect of Russ coming in off the bench, kind of giving the team a jolt of energy 
and the rest of the players on the team, that jolt of energy, like you said, he'll come in, he's aggressive, he's energetic, he plays hard, he plays with emotion. So that, A, springboards the second unit, but it also motivates some of the other guys, like the Troy Browns and the Walkers and the Reeves and stuff, because they see that and they're on the floor with him more than they are when he's out there with the starting unit. So you have uh, maybe a little more energetic group out there in bunches too, because you saw the unit, the stretch they had there in the third quarter with Russ and Reeves, and they were kind of, you know, going at it, attacking, making plays Walker and, and, you know, the crowd was getting into it and they were, they were kind of feeding off each other. So I think that is another positive. And they're quick too. They're they're knocking the ball away. They're getting in the passing lanes and stuff like that. You know, getting turnovers or at least just you know whether they knock it out of bounds or something like that. They're disruptive. How fast they are out there and stuff. Get those mm-hmm. guys with Russ out there and and we just play faster. You know, um, I am I am curious to see how we uh, integrate Schroeder into the rotation. Um, mm-hmm. Whether he'll start next to Pat or uh, he'll come in with Russ. I feel personally he should probably start next to Pat because Russ and Schroeder are a similar player. Yeah. Um, Schroeder, better shooter, but they are a similar player. And I don't think they should be in the lineup together too often as well. You know, uh, maybe in short spurts, cause that's going to happen, but not, you know, not in a consistent or a high clip. So, well, I think you have to that. have balance in the lineup. And yeah. the problem with Russ and Beverly out there is neither one of them are great shooters yeah exactly so you gotta pair them up yeah so Schroeder would be a little better balance because he's a little better shooter he's a little better offensively yeah so it'd be a better balance to have him out there with one of them as opposed to when you were starting you know both Russ and Beverly yeah um but you're right obviously when you have when you add another player like Schroeder to the mix how does that fit into the rotation because the one thing you saw on Sunday Russ coming off the bench, playing well, Beverly doing his usual thing, you know, Reeves playing well. So he's getting, you know, getting the minutes, obviously Troy Brown now starting. So he's getting some minutes. So the odd man out the last game and a half has been Kendrick Nunn. I think he only played what, like five minutes or something on Sunday. Yeah. He didn't play much at all. So he became the odd man out on Sunday. So you're right. Now you throw Schroeder in the mix now who's going to be the odd man out and JTA hasn't played in the, in the last two games because he's been hurt. So now those minutes were going to Troy Brown Reeves, even when you Gabriel a little bit. So when JTA comes in, that means less minutes for those guys as well. So it's definitely going to be interesting to see how, how those rotations balance out when you add, uh, Schroeder, and then eventually, you know, you're going to have to add Thomas Bryant to the mix as well. But I, I think that's why when you look at when we talk about like the long term, I think in the short term, Russ off the bench is is, is working well um, because of those things we talked about, and because it, it it mitigates the time that him and LeBron play together, which I think benefits both units. Mm-hmm. But you're right; the long term aspect of this, there still isn't great shooting on this team. When everybody's healthy, there's a lot of guards. They're all small. So, you know, if somebody's going to, somebody's got to go, whether it's just to the pine to lose minutes or off the roster entirely. And unfortunately, 
to, to get, to get real depth of shooting, Russ is the contract you'll have to move because yeah. the only other combination that works financially is you could take Beverly and none and combine that would get you one shooter. Like, like for example, their contracts would work to get to get buddy healed, like just buddy. Yeah. You couldn't do yeah. Turner too, but you could get buddy yeah. or you could get an Eric Gordon. You could, you could get one guy if you took Beverly and none together and traded them. But then obviously you're losing Beverly's, defensive leadership and tenacity and stuff, which is the whole reason why he was brought here. But in a scenario where you couldn't find a way to trade Russ that the team was comfortable with, that combination works, but it's only going to get you one shooter. If you trade Russ, you could obviously get two or three guys that could all make a difference. So that's why it's just going to be hard in the end to not move a guy like Russ if you're going to have to get shooting. And I just don't see how this team can sustain consistent enough offense and get better shooting the basketball if they don't make a move. Well, yeah, I mean, I, I feel you have to get more than one. I mean, you're bringing one guy that that's that's not going to make or break your season just because the guy can shoot. He's not going to be in the game the whole time just popping three. So um, you, you have to get, you know, at least at least two max. I shared with you guys the the defensive player ratings earlier today. I think Russ is the 11th ranked player, like 11th ranked highest defensive rated player in the league. I think LeBron is 15th and AD was 25. Yeah. So Russ has definitely played really really good defense and and it, and it's shown in his in his effort and um you know his just his positioning, right? He seems like he's not just more active, but it seems like he's playing smarter defense. Like he's putting himself in the right positions to make steals and get blocks. So he's definitely been good at that. And, and you're right. If we're going to make a trade for shooting, you don't want to give up all the defense. You don't want to trade Russ Beverly. You don't want to give up everybody that is adding to that defense. So you have to make sure it's a, it's a right balance of giving up a little bit of defense to get some shooting, but not, hurting the team because defense, the team's defense has been pretty good this year. That's been a, a strength. And that's the rest why we've been in all these games because we're playing good athletic competitive defense. Yeah. And it's keeping us in these games and giving us chances to win when our offense is failing. So, but you're right. It's, it's long season. We'll, we, you know, we'll see how, you know, how much time coming, you know, Russ coming off the bench buys the Lakers to, uh, you know, like you said, stay afloat, but hopefully continue to get momentum and, and get better and improve. And then it's easier to be like, okay, what deal can we make? These are our strengths. These are our weaknesses. What can we do to go out and get what we need a shooter or two without hopefully, you know, totally upsetting the apple cart. Exactly. But that, that being said, I did want to get your opinion. Um, you know, despite, you know, the struggles of the start of the season, which Laker have you been most impressed with so far? Um, looking at the numbers, I, I, you know, when Davis has been on the court, he's been really solid. I mean, um, I'm just really worried about that back injury. Uh, but other than that, I think I, I've, I've really liked Lonnie Walker. Um, I like the athleticism he brings, the hustle he brings. And, uh, you know, if, if he can just be a little more consistent on that jump shot, um, I think he's a he's a great pickup for us, and uh, he he's been playing well. So I'm 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 really impressed with him what he's been bringing to the table. 
yes, you're right. Uh, obviously, LeBron and AD have been, pretty, you know, been very good. You know, they've been carrying the team offensively. AD's been fantastic. I think he's the only player in the league, right, that's averaging like over 20 points, over 10 rebounds, and like over like a steal and a block a game. So he's doing a little bit of everything. Uh, yes, the back, of course, is a little bit of a concern as he's going to have to just manage that until it gets better. Um, but I agree with you. Yes, Lonnie Walker has been probably the most impressive player so far, um, just given we knew he was athletic, um, but I think his athleticism has been a key to the defense because he's the only other Laker that's ranked in the top 50 in individual defensive rating. I think he's like 42nd. Yeah. Which I get it isn't isn't high, but still, you're talking about the other three guys that are all ranked in the top 25, and then Lonnie Walker is ranked in the top 50. I mean, Patrick Beverly is not ranked in the top 50, so that's telling you something that Lonnie Walker is playing some pretty good defense. And yes, there was always going to be the concern about his shot. Could he make the three? That's that's was the big question when we got him. Um, but you're right. If he can find a way to be a little more consistent with the outside shot. The athleticism is there. The ability to get to the hoop is there. Uh, the defensive effort and energy is there. And, and it shows in, you know, the numbers, you know, he's uh, one of the few guys, you know, on this team that is, that is averaging, you know, over five or six points a game. So he's obviously been a factor on both sides of the floor. So I've also been impressed with him. Yeah. I, like I said, I like, I like what he's bringing so, to the team. Yeah, I, I agree. He's he's been he's been um, pleasantly uh, efficient, despite the fact that he's struggled with the outside shot. But in fairness, everybody on our team has struggled with the outside yeah, shot. Yeah, so exactly. It's not just him. <laughs> not just him. Yeah, at least he's taking it to the rack. It's not like it's not like Walker's killing us. He can't make a shot. Everybody's killing us out there. Everybody else knocking out shots except for him. No, he's yeah, just, exactly. You no, know, just about everybody else. <laughs> Well, we got another tough one. So, anyways, so another tough uh, few games. I, I feel, man, I don't know if it's just the way we're playing or it's just we really do have like the toughest first ten games out of everybody in the NBA. It's crazy. Well, yeah, we talked about the first ten games were going to be hard. You know, we looked at the the schedule and the West in particular. The West is tough. I mean, there's a lot of teams that are below 500. The Clippers are below 500. The Warriors are below 500. Yeah. And the teams that people thought were going to be terrible, the Spurs, the Jazz, they're above 500. The Jazz are like six and two, I think, and they're trying to tank. I know, <laughs> and I think, and I think they lead the league in scoring. So yeah, that's crazy. The the West is just super tough. Every team in the West is hard, and every team in the West is going to beat. You know, the West is just going to beat each other up. I don't yep. think that you're going to have any 60 win teams this year in the West because every team is so competitive that you've got teams that were not expected to win a lot of games and they've got more wins than the teams that were the favorites to win the West. Exactly. So I think, I think it's just the nature of, of, of the course and we just have to continue to get better because the schedule, I don't think is going to get any easier. Well, the the rest of the way, the one thing we have on our side is a lot of these teams are off the slow starts too. So hopefully we can just uh, make a run and catch up. (laughs) <laughs> yep yeah well you know right it just takes a win a win another another win this week and just you just got to put a little streak together right just just two or three just get a little momentum 
Exactly. And then, then you start to establish good habits, right? That was a problem last year. We, we established bad habits and couldn't get out of them. So exactly. if you can put a little momentum together, then you start to establish a good routine, good habits, uh, good measures, good fortune. And that's how you, that's how you start to, you know, really come together as a team. So hopefully, uh, you know, that'll happen here in the coming weeks. As always, we appreciate it. Uh, please find us everywhere you get your podcasts, Spotify, Apple. Check out our Instagram page. Follow us on Twitter. Find our YouTube page and give us likes. And we appreciate uh, the feedback so far that you guys give. And we'll keep coming at you with another episode next week. Peace. Peace.